know Your ass better call somebody Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Redhead Zone proudly brings to you the New Age Footballers. I'm the pigskin sleaze J. That's the gridiron G, Dusty. We're back with another recap, project, projections, NFL talk. I can't talk. Week 11 in the books, Dustin. Uh, I'm just so freaking mad about the Jets. I can't talk. All right, before we get into the football oh, stuff, God, Zach out. Wilson's so bad. Shout out to MJF winning the world title for Long hey. Island Gold. Yeah, I had to get that off there. Dustin was front row, man. A-Dub. That's, uh, that was a good show, huh? You, you, should, you should, might as well just hit the bell right now for that. Should I ring the bell? Ring it. Ding, ding, ding. We're off. Let's go back to football. Right. Uh, <clears throat> before we go into recaps, I thought a good way to start is, you know, we're starting to get the picture of who the playoff teams are, who the hopefuls are. So let's let's talk about it and see who maybe won't be there that's there right now and maybe who will be there that, that's not in the playoffs right now. So let's start with the AFC. You got your one seed, Kansas City, leading the AFC West. You got your two seed, Miami, right now leading the AFC East. Wild division. God, Zach Wilson sucks. Uh, next, you got the Tennessee Titans leading the South and the Ravens leading the North. Your three wild cards, Buffalo in the five slot, Patriots in the six slot, Bengals coming up in the seven slot right now. Uh, you got you got some teams on the heels, though. So, Dustin, what do you think of these teams? Do you believe in these teams? And if not, who do you think could bounce them out? Well, I'm going to – I was – when we first did this a couple of weeks ago, we talked about teams that, you know, we were on the brink. I think it was fourth and long or fourth and goal we did. And I kind of pooped on the Bengals a little bit, but they seemed like they're hitting their stride. So I'm going to leave them alone. And I think uh, the team I'm going to boot out of this picture would be New England. Uh, the offense is just too static. They don't move. They're one of the worst red zone teams in the league. So they're, I don't think they will be able to hold off teams – like I hate to say it, but the Jets still have yeah. that. I'm not putting them in. I'm just saying I think the Jets are a better team. I just think playing they against are a better team. Playing against Belichick is just a recipe for disaster and a recipe for failure. So uh the team that I'm gonna put ahead of New England is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers. Um they're sitting with a five and four record right now, and the way they've played against the Chiefs this past weekend, showed promise. Um, they are sporting one of the worst defenses in the league when it comes to points per game, but I just think uh, their passing attack and their ability to play defense as if they can figure it out where they can play and actually finish games and beat good teams. Um, I just think the Chargers are just too powerful on both aspects of the ball. And I just see them having more of a chance to make the playoffs. And I just don't see New England being able to keep squeaking these wins out with not really scoring at all other than field goals. So 
Yeah, uh, the Patriots stick out as a team that's not strong enough to stick. Um, you know, Kansas City's running away with it. Miami, I, I suspect Buffalo's going to win that division still, even if they're not playing great right now. But Miami should have no trouble if they don't win the division being in the wild card. Tennessee's running away with the South. Baltimore, you know, they got the Bengals on their heels, but they, they could take care of business. And if they don't, they'll probably be a wild card. So I believe in everyone there except the Patriots as well. Um God, I want to put the Jets in there, and I'm not going to make this a Jets podcast, but what I will say is that the Jets right now are playing the best defense in football, and that's not a biased take. Look at the numbers. They are right there, just they're not getting the recognition because Zach Wilson sucks, and so does their offensive line, and they can't run the ball. So it's hard to see. They could win enough games on their defense alone to sneak in. I think the Chargers would be a lot more fun if they could get healthy. <laughs> don't, 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 don't fire me yet. I'm going to throw a curveball out there. God. Everything... I don't think it's going to happen because I, I, I think too many important players are just not playing for them. But, you know, the Colts are right there. Yeah. And they played the Eagles tough. I don't think it's going to be them. But nope. if you look at the standings, I mean, they're there. They could make a run. There's a few teams that could make a run. They would have to make an epic run to pass either the Jets, the Chargers, or the Colts to try to bounce New England out of there. So I really do think those are are the three teams we're looking at and probably not even really the Colts. So, you know, it would be fun to see the Chargers there. And, uh, hey, Bill Belichick, try to cheat and prove us wrong, man, and try to keep that spot. But, God, they're not good. They scored three offensive points. Ah, I can't talk about it. Let's move on to the NFC. You got... The Eagles in the one spot, the Vikings in the two spot. Man, we got to talk about them this week. Uh, the 49ers in the three spot, and the Bucks leading the South in the four spot. Your three wild cards right now are uh, just like the AFC, two teams from the East, just this time the NFC East, and the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. And in the seven seed are Pete Carroll and Geno Smith's Seattle Seahawks. There's a lot of teams there that probably consider themselves hopefuls. They'd really have to go on a run, but there's Washington. There's Atlanta. Detroit's right there. Green Bay sticking around. The Saints, and I guess you could throw the Cardinals in there, but they're not going to be there. So uh, all these teams, you know, what's really surprising to me, Dustin, when I was looking at this, is these teams have like four wins. They're four and six. They look like dog doo-doo. And, you know, yet these wild card spots are, are wide open. Uh, they're wide open at this time, but I believe that this will be the final playoff uh, standings when when the playoffs are set. If I had to pick one team that would be bounced, uh, I think it's the elephant in the room, and that's the New York Giants. I think that's that, who I have to. Uh, they're just extremely limited, and we're coming to a point in the season where. You kind of have your identities figured out on how good a team is on offense and defense, and we saw that this week. So the other thing is if they do get bounced, obviously a team has to go in, and I think the only team out of those, that out of the list that you just uh, mentioned would be the Washington Commanders, um, which is interesting because I can't remember the last time I saw uh, division division teams play each other back-to-back weeks. That's happening with the Giants and the Commanders in, I think, two weeks. So that is going to be very important. Uh, those matchups will be extremely important. Uh, the, the Washington Commanders continue to win games. Um, 
their schedule has been kind of uh, easy the last couple of weeks. They have another easy game this week. So they will be nipping at the heels of the Giants. I do believe in Brian Dable to get to the playoffs uh, with just the way he coaches and that defense is pretty damn good. Uh, but if I had to pick one team to bounce, it would be the Giants and to put in would be the Washington Commanders by default. Yeah, I had a similar thought on the Giants. I think you're probably right that the standings as they are now, it's likely going to be these seven teams. I'm going to swap some things. I think the 49ers will probably at some point move up to the two spot. Um, I think the Seahawks could move up to the sixth slot. And the Giants, if they could hold on to the seventh slot, they'll stay in. I'll give you a team that's playing really good football right now that I think, instead of Washington, can replace the Giants. Detroit Lions. Don't count this team out. They've won three in a row. We know what the offense can do. <clears throat> Man, we pooped on this defense. They're playing better uh, of late. Not great. I mean, they had a, a pretty decent game this week. But, you know... They have a lot of improvement to make, but man, if they could just get to slightly below average, I don't know, man. This is uh this is a team that can go on a run. You know, all those good feels we had about Campbell, you just you never know. Yeah, you never know. Uh this this season has been the most inconsistent season throughout all aspects of football for me, as teams perform and underperform and just so many weird things going on. So it would fit right into the way the season has gone. I mean, it's been kind of a nutty season to say the least. You know, it's funny is uh, we talked about Washington and, you know, right now they have six wins. So they have the same amount of wins as Seattle right now. We didn't mention Atlanta who, you know, five wins is right there. I think what's funny is that the Lions have four wins and I trust them more than I trust the Green Bay Packers who also have four wins, which really tells you all you need to know about how the Packers are playing right now. You know, yeah. we'll talk about their game recap, but they're just not a team I can trust right now. No, I mean, and we're going to get into their game first because they were the Thursday nighter. Uh, they just have too many holes and I don't see them realistically playing well enough to reel off consecutive wins. They had that emotional win against the Cowboys where, you know, it made people look at them a little bit differently and people started to kind of think that maybe they could turn this ship around. But I honestly wasn't really one of those. I just, you can't fix your entire offense off of one emotional win where if you watch that game, a lot of things got out of hand for Dallas and, um, there were a lot of miscues on their offensive side of the ball with interceptions that shouldn't have been. And Packers just usually do beat Dallas, um, which I do want to say one thing about the Cowboys. Is there a head coach in the league that's under more underappreciated than Mike, Mar Mike McCarthy? Because I feel like when they win the way they just won or do he anything, gets no credit. he gets zero credit. And then when they lose in like overtime or whatever it is, it's all his fault. Okay, I'll give you that, but let me flip the question to you. Do you think they're winning because of Mike McCarthy? I'm not saying that, but it's like at some point, like do we give the guy a break? Because if they make the playoffs and they go to the NFC Championship game and they lose, it's his fault. You don't even have to know what happened at that point. It's always right. his fault. So it's like right. he's gotten so much hate, and I was never a big fan. I'm still not, but it's just like – he wasn't even a candidate for coach of the year when we were talking about it. And they've been through some adversity with the quarterback issue and losing some of their key players. 
and they managed to reel off all those wins with Cooper Rush. And it's just like the guy gets literally zero credit. Except they kind of have the star at offensive coordinator, and they have a really good defensive coordinator and just studs all over their defense. And he's so the it's, coach. He's the coach. So you're right. He should get the credit, but uh, you know some credit. I think they're winning despite him, not because of him. And I'm going to be one of those people that blame him when they lose for sure. But let's let's stick with that Titans Packers game we were just talking about. You talked about their deficiencies that you don't think they could overcome. They're slowly starting to overcome one. Uh, they tried to say that Alan Lazard was their number one receiver. He's one of the most inefficient receivers in the NFL. He has he he'll get his catches and yards here and there, which I think is a product of him and Aaron Rodgers just playing so long together and Rodgers being Aaron freaking Rodgers. But uh, Christian Watson is far and away the most talented wideout in this group. I, he was my favorite receiver to not be a first round selection. Uh, in this year's draft, he, he's got all the natural ability, similar to almost like a DK Metcalf. And it's all starting to come together for him. Uh, another two touchdowns this week. The breakout continues. Yeah, the breakout does continue. And I agree with the way you put it. He's the most talented receiver on the team. But I don't think he's talented enough to make a difference in a sense where he can take over a game. I don't see... The, the problem the problem with this week was, and I wish, you know, it sucks that it was the Thursday nighter because the more I looked at this game, I would have probably locked this up for Tennessee because this was not the game for the Packers to continue to figure out their offense. Uh, they were they had a strong run uh, game plan against Dallas and it worked. But going against Tennessee, that was probably not going to work considering Tennessee sports, one of the best run defenses in football. They're playing they're playing so well up front with players like Dedico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons. And, you know, we always talked about the Titans not having an identity. I think they're kind of figuring out it's basically Vrabel is the identity of this team. His team, no matter who's playing, they've been through issues with injuries and they've had players step up and their run defense, like I said, is one of the best in the league. I think it's right behind San Francisco right now. So ha having Green Bay to correct this, to a point where you could actually give them a win. I just thought it was it was not possible, and it showed. Bad matchup for them. Terrible matchup. And as far as Christian Watson goes, you could even see some of the players that the plays that they connect with him, Rogers and him. It's like almost like kind of like a backyard football type thing. He had a couple more. I think he had another major drop in this game. So he's still extremely raw to have. You know they don't have a choice at this point. They don't have a choice. I think the most interesting thing moving forward is where Aaron Rodgers wants to be at this point in his career moving forward because I see this as a lost season for the Packers. And now you're just looking for forward to 2023. Now, does Rodgers want to grow with this team? They're going to have to figure this out with him. He's going to have to build chemistry with Christian Watson, whatever else he has here. Like you said, Alan Lazar's only chemistry is because he's been here. But this is really on his shoulders because of the offseason they had. He wasn't really there. Their preparation was non-existent because they just didn't practice together and, you know, go through everything that they had to go through to be prepared for the season. So now this is like your game planning for next year. Yeah, it's, it's it'll if this season continues to go the way it's going for the Packers, and we shall see. It's this offseason is going to be really, really interesting in Green Bay and, and what Rodgers wants to do. As we've said before, Rodgers is enough of a dick. He, he's going to dictate that situation and what he wants to happen, and he will force the Packers' hands. 
you know, I, I've said it the past few weeks. So I'll just <laughs> reel it off again. Rogers, 39 pass attempts. Jones and Dylan combined 18 attempts. I know that I don't want to poop on them too much this week for that because the Titans run defense is elite. And despite the 10 point difference in score, uh, the game felt a lot bigger than that. It, the Titans really had this one in the bag early on. Uh, Green Bay couldn't get much going. However, you know, Aaron Jones is still one of your more dynamic players. He should be getting more receptions. Um, and I'd still like to see a little bit more of an even distribution between attempts and running the ball. You got to give that defense a break. So, you know, we, we always talked about the Titans not having an identity. The Packers have absolutely no identity on either side of the ball right now. They're, they're just not getting it done. You know, as for the Titans, they continue to get it done. And by the way, I said last week, watch out for Traylon Burks coming back. They need someone like him to step up and step up. He did. He went seven catches for 111 yards on pretty limited snaps. So I'm obviously not going to say that seven for 111 is his floor, but I think his ceiling is even higher than this. He was key to the Titan success and continuing to move the chains. And he looks like a legit player. So as that chemistry continues to build with Tannehill, who looked phenomenal in this game, and and with Burks, and, you know, Derrick Henry's still getting all those carries, and he's looking pretty good, even though everyone's focused on him. The Titans, like you said, they have their identity. They are this rushing team. They're getting Tannehill back to that high efficiency, high percentage throws. Uh, they have a breakout receiver starting to come on. And on defense, they stuffed the run, and despite all their their losses from pass rushers, they're still getting after the quarterback. So they're just this hard-nosed team that's not making mistakes, and they're getting it done on both sides of the ball. That's the way Vrabel plays. He sets his team up uh, in position to win. And, yeah, that's that's Titans football. They're going to try to smother you, hand the ball off to, to the king, Henry. And Tannehill is... The king of kings. Tannehill is a thank you game manager still I classify him as that but he's the best at it he takes care of the football this team has the least amount of one of the bottom five least amount of turnovers in the last five years and that will continue because they rely they rely heavily on the run game so if they could keep teams off the ground and you know just kind of stick with they showed it against the Chiefs and they were playing with Malik Willis so this is a team that could really wreck havoc in the playoffs. It's a scary team under the radar. Yeah, it's, it's not a team you want to play, especially if they're hot at the right time. Chicago at Atlanta. Atlanta 27, Chicago 24. I mean, talk about a team that continues to find ways to win. I mean, I know it's the Bears and and uh, Justin Fields. You know, he had another dynamic game. You know, he's you could pretty much book it 150, 150 yards uh, in the air with a touchdown. Uh, 90 or so yards rushing and another touchdown. So he looks awesome. Um, but the Falcons continue to find ways to win. Yeah, you know, I wasn't really uh, – this was a game that – this is – I mean, let's face it, Justin Fields has been playing really good football in the last four weeks of, of uh, what we've seen. He scored a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown in the last five games that he's played. He continues to impress. The only thing that he hasn't shown yet is his ability to finish games. And that's not something that you learn, you know, quickly. That's And these are situations that he should learn from and get better on. The, the problem I have with Chicago in this game, it's 
you know, they've been growing all season. We've seen it, how bad they started and where they kind of came to now. They didn't really open the pass game on a game that they really should have used as an opportunity to really let Justin Fields uh, perform with with his with his arm rather than his legs. You know, going against Atlanta's pass defense, they're the worst pass defense in football. So I really think that they missed out on an opportunity here to let him grow in that aspect of the game. Uh, he had a career high in carries and 18 carries. Uh, and Atlanta, for the most part, was able to contain him better than what we've seen in the last three weeks. So I think that was the issue here. And just the ability to finish games, uh, they kind of, again, faltered at the end. Um, it's just... It's actually a good thing that they kind of lost because it gives them a better draft pick, hopefully, But because that's really what they need. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely the worst in the last – since they've had this run, it's easily the worst offensive coaching scheme that they drew up for a game that I've seen so far from Luke Getzey. As for the Falcons, they continue to find ways to win with what they – what they've um, – for what they look like on the field. Uh, they had the – Record-breaking kick return touchdown from Cordell Patterson, which he continues to amaze people with his Nine ability. Nine kick return touchdowns as a career. And this one probably the most impressive with all right the Right up the gut. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't – it's very hard to get a kick return, even attempt, let alone a touchdown with the way they've moved it back. So, man, he's still got it. He's, he's still Love just an electrifying player for sure. Yeah, that's um, crazy. You know, for Atlanta, who is in the hunt, and even though we don't believe in them, and man, when you when you rewatch this game, Mariota really blows. I mean, just like you say every week, he's he's not good. But um, you know, five wins, you got to give them credit; they're right there. Uh, they did lose Kyle Pitts potentially for the year. Seems like a torn MCL. Uh, when told that Kyle Pitts is going to be out for the year, I imagine that um, the coach and Mariota said, "Who?" Because you know they don't throw him the ball anyway, but uh, but that's a big loss. I would have liked to see him finish strong. Uh, but let's talk about the headline here. You know, even though it doesn't affect the playoffs, it certainly affects uh, fantasy and affects betting, and it just affects my viewing pleasure. Justin Fields left shoulder dislocation, and what the coach said today was uh, he may not miss any time, or he may be out for the season. So that's a pretty wide range uh i i assume they put it back in but that's something that's worth watching and and by the way if you're the bears and you see a possible future with fields are you gonna let him keep running and taking those hits in a lost season no and that's the biggest issue you have with quarterbacks quarterbacks that play this type of football and i say it all the time it's just this isn't as much as i love justin fields um a newly found love for justin fields by the way but uh, as much as I like watching him play and players like Lamar Jackson and, you know, the Cam Newtons of the world, this is not the quarterback that I would feel comfortable investing my future on. And that's what the Ravens are going to have to deal with with Lamar Jackson. When you put all that money into that position for a player that's so vulnerable to injuries like this, it's scary. And uh I mean, they don't have a choice, obviously, because he's their he's their guy's first round first uh, first round pick, top five pick, I think he was, or top ten, whatever. And he's under the rookie contract, so that's kind of relevant. But um, they're gonna have to get used to this, so they're gonna have to find ways to manage the situations like this, and it sucks. And you know, I 
honestly, me, us living in New York, I was actually thinking about getting tickets to go to the, this game against the Jets because I kind of wanted to see him play. And now I might not get to do that. I mean, if I'm the Bears, you know, I've seen everything I've had to see. You certainly want him to get the reps, but you can't afford, if doctors say that he could injure his shoulder more, uh, you can't put him out there. No, he, it's not worth he's, it. He's, he's, he's going to save your franchise. Like, by the way, you know, we talked about not finishing games or whatever. The Bears' defense sucks. I mean, they are letting up, you know, consistently close to 30 points every single week. It's something to target in fantasy and in prop bets. So, you know, uh, I just – as much as I want him to get the reps, you just can't risk putting him out there. So we'll see how, how that proceeds. Philly at Indy. Man, I really like the Eagles to cover. Uh, the Colts, they keep it close. They They lose the game at the end. They lose by 1.17 to 16. But was this the Colts playing better under Saturday? In my opinion, this was kind of the Eagles literally almost fumbling the game away. Yeah, and yes, the Colts did play better under Saturday, especially the defensive side. But it goes to show you how bad the Colts really are on offense. They came out of the gate on the first drive scoring. But, you know, Jonathan Taylor was big part of that and um the eagles i think uh their offense looked disarranged um i think that's a major uh the major part of that is dallas goddard's a major major piece to this offensive attack and i think they felt that loss right away and you know they looked a little bit um miscombobulated on offense in ways of where hurts kind of looked like he didn't really know where to throw uh but that's no discredit to the Colts defense their defense is extremely talented uh they can man up against anybody and they showed that in this game but at the end of the day as we've seen time and time again Hertz's legs are just too much to keep up with and it will bite you in the end if you can't put points on the board and that's exactly what happened the Colts cannot score points uh, Matt Ryan is still the same quarterback we saw he's old he's old he's washed up it's as washed as you'll see in a quarterback declining at this rate in their career. And, you know, after the game, the reason why Nick Sirianni was so fired up was because of the Frank Reich situation of him being fired and the whole coaching thing, uh, which he said when he was going towards the fans, he said that one was for Frank Reich. So you're my boy blue. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think with Indy, I mean, I do think Matt Ryan's cooked, but I just think this was just a match made in hell. You know, you expect, in the beginning of the year in the offseason, the Colts offensive line to perform well. They have not performed well all year. Matt Ryan cannot move even slow. He's slower than slow. And, uh, you know, it's just a bad matchup. And the Eagles defense really swarmed him all game. So there was not much he could do. You know, Hurts, 86 yards rushing. He had eight first downs just rushing the football, not even including passing. So, you know, that's how you stay on the field. That's how you make sure you put up enough points to win. And, you know, I think A.J. Brown and Hurts both fumbling, especially for A.J. Brown's very atypical. Uh, one of those turnovers led directly to one of Indy's two touchdowns or one touchdown on the day. So, um, you know, I think this score is a little bit of a mirage. Like you said, I think the Eagles are discombobulated. You know, Devonta Smith led the team in receiving with A.J. Brown, you know, for much of the day, shadowed by Stephon Gilmore. So, yeah, I do think they missed Dally as they call him, that Dallas got Goddard. I think there was a fourth and 10 that the Eagles went for in this game. 
that just goes to show you that they had zero faith in Colts offense of doing anything. When I remember watching, I was like, what are they doing? I'm like, well, I guess they ain't moving the ball. So yeah, it's, and you know, Hey, it's, it worked out for them, but, uh, but Philly has to get right. Also, they have to kind of just correct these mistakes and get back to what they were doing. All right. New York jets at new England Patriots, Patriots, 10 jets, three, I don't know what to say, man. You see all the stats, nine completions for Zach Wilson, 10 punts. Listen, I've seen a lot of bad quarterback play in my life. Um, This was, at any level of football, the worst quarterback performance I've ever seen in my entire life. He literally, I mean, you hear the phrase, you couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. He literally couldn't. I mean, there's... You know plays where, like, the receiver just doesn't even move off the line because he's your safety valve? It was windy. It was. He said it was windy. Yeah, the way he handled himself after the game also. We'll get into that. Keep going. He was a big baby, uh, like Glenn Davis or, like, Ron Stroman. You remember that? Big baby at LSU? So, you know, he was awful. The defense was spectacular. Sauce is officially number one in PFF grades. Quinn and Williams is still a monster. The Patriots could not do anything offensively. I don't really know why you don't, with the offense doing nothing for the Patriots, I don't know why at the end of the game you don't just punt it as high as you possibly can. Um, Jets typically have pretty strong special teams. So, you know, that is what it was. There was a block in the back, by the way. Oh, my God. It was oh so blatant, but they were going to kick the field goal anyway. How about you Um, score three points? How about that? God, Get out the negative two yards or positive two yards and in, in a half of football, 100 yards in the, the game. By the way, the locker room starting to turn on Zach. Uh, Garrett Wilson started mouthing off. A lot of defenders started having little comments or likes on Twitter. Just everyone's starting to get very aggravated because the Jets players know that regardless of what anyone said in the offseason, this team is built to win and they just need a quarterback. And once again, man. They there's just don't of, have one. There's a lot of teams that have that problem. But as for Zach Wilson, this is a tough spot for the Jets because, you know, if he he doesn't look good at all, he actually looks like he's going backwards in his development. And, you know, the issues with him is he was drafted because of he had he's had um very slight glimpses of I hate to say it, but Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, the way he yeah. was able to escape the pocket, the problem that we're seeing is this isn't college football. This isn't the competition that he was facing in college football. I just don't think that Zach Wilson is an NFL quarterback at all, not even a backup. I don't. It shows that Possible. even when he escapes the pocket, he doesn't know where to throw. He's not reading defenses properly. He he just doesn't look good at all in all phases of being a quarterback, reading defenses, escaping the pocket, throwing on the run. We're not seeing any of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tricky situation because I feel like uh, the jet, it's really hard. The jets should start him moving forward. I know there's a lot of rumblings of put Mike white in or wherever else is playing quarterback. <laughs> The problem is it's hard for them to keep him out there because of the way he handled himself in that press conference. Uh, it just looked very immature, uh, and it's really easy to call him that because he looks like he's 14 years old. And he just looks like a you know a privileged 
child up there. He, you know, who he reminds me of. He reminds me of Johnny Manziel, the way he plays and the attitude, and well, not slightly the attitude, but well, uh, he. I think he works hard. He's not in Vegas partying, but um, get that image though. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he does seem very mature. You're right. He does look like a teenager, except he's really tall. Uh, he's got that baby face, which you know works with the mothers, but but not on NFL defenses. It's uh, you have to be careful because once you bench him, I think that's it, right? You can't go back to him after that. And by the way, Robert Sala, the coach of the Jets, you know, two weeks ago or or right after the last Patriots game with his abysmal performance, he Sala said he's our quarterback the rest of the year, no matter what. And then he's on Sunday after the game, he's like, oh, I'm not even thinking about benching him. And then I think after hearing how he reacted and probably watching the tape, uh, Salah came back on Monday and said, I'm not committing to anyone at quarterback. So, you know, clearly Salah's close to had enough. Listen, they have a get-right matchup with the Bears. They have the easiest pass defense uh, schedule remaining in the NFL. So if he can't do it, then he can't do it, and, it, and it's time to move on. It's Hold a shame on. because he has an elite arm. But you said something, and I just want to just touch on it real quick. When you watch the tape, sure, like some of his throws off balance and you could fix the form. But what you can't fix is that he can't see the field. It is He is staring right at an open receiver and he doesn't see him. So I know things in the NFL move fast and I just don't think he can process fast enough. I think the game's too big for him. The stage is too big for him as far as the talent goes. I think it's very evident when we watch the Jets play football uh, they're just they're no threat to anyone in the past game. And obviously losing players like Brees Hall doesn't help. Um, but as far as um as far as Robert Sala goes, you know, you have to understand this isn't uh Detroit. This isn't like a team like that. He's playing for a New York team. And when you come out on a press conference and act that way, you make it really hard on the organization to move forward with you. So I think that's why Robert Sala kind of has to say something like that because at the end of the day, he's been backing him. His teammates been backing him. He's not only losing the locker room, he's also losing the fan base. And once you start, once it starts going south that way, it's really hard to recover from. And, the, you know, we're talking a lot about the Jets and I kind of think we kind of know the situation moving forward with them. Their, their season and their playoff hopes rely on Zach Wilson's play, which is not something you want to think about. But as bad as the Jets were, the Patriots weren't any better. And their their ability to score touchdowns has been pretty horrendous uh for the whole season. They're one of the they I think they're the 31st ranked in red zone touchdown percentage. And at some point, there has to be some accountability of why this team's struggling so bad because they are a really talented defensive team. And Very. they keep, you know, at all you listen to press conferences and sports media talk and they keep talking about it's a new offense you know we're still learning the playbook and all that but I mean their playbook seems pretty vanilla to me when I watch them play and they just don't really have an answer to anything and their offensive line hasn't played great and now David Andrews their center is hurt and I, yeah and that's gonna make things harder for them and I think Matt Patricia is their O-line coach and their offensive coordinator oh so, excellent yeah well, you know, you talked about the defense. I just want to mention that, you know, just classic Bill Belichick. I mean, he really screwed the pooch on the offensive side of the ball, but he continues to do what he does on defense every year. They get better throughout the season, and they're at a place now, even after losing a lot of talent, 
where they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. That's how they're playing. Even if you don't believe in, in the roster, that's the numbers are what they are. And Matt Judon, uh, he's got 13 sacks through 10 games. You know, a lot of times those high dollar pass rushers don't work out and they, you know, they've signed a lot of people over the last two years, but I mean, this one was a hit. He's, he's killing it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other good players standing out in that defense, of course. Uh, the rookie cornerback's playing great. Uh, but, you know, Matt Judon getting after the quarterback, he destroyed the Jets' offensive line in this game. And just like the Jets, it's it's a similar situation. The defenses are carrying these teams. The offenses just have to score something, and neither since, of them can do it. Since we called out Matt and Patricia, what do you, how, since you're a Jet fan, unfortunately for you, how do you feel about – does any blame get thrown at uh, LaFleur and maybe the quarterback's coach? Uh, I forget his name. Calabrese, Rob Calabrese. Like, I mean, they're the ones that are preparing this kid. You know, they Some... should take the blame for preparing him. But what I'll Some... say is when you watch the tape, there's a lot of receivers that are open. So the scheme seems to be fine. Zach's missing the most simple passes, like five yards high. So – I don't know, you know, what they're doing to coach's form for that, but or helping him see the field. So I, I think they have to take the blame for that. But at the same time, you see everyone else running wild. You see Garrett Wilson open. That's why he's so frustrated. Elijah Moore is open. M Mims was streaking down the field with no one on him. It should have been an easy touchdown. Um, the run game sucks right now, but so does the offensive line, and you lose Brees. So I think LaFleur... Uh, just because of exactly how bad Zach is playing, uh, we'll get the benefit of the doubt for another year. But, uh, you know, unless you bring in like a Rodgers and he wants to bring his own offensive coordinator, which is A-OK -okay with me. Let's make it happen. But no, I don't – well, I have a question for you. I, I don't think Rodgers is realistic, but there's two players that NFL fans keep talking about on Twitter because this is where Jets Twitter is at right now. And I want to know who you think would be a better fit for this team. A lot – a lot of the fan base wants Jimmy Garoppolo to be a Jet. He's not going to be a Niner next year unless they win the Super Bowl, uh, which, you know, they might. Um, I don't think Jimmy G is going to win the Super Bowl, but they have just a star-studded team. That, so it could be Jimmy G. You know, the other option is it seems like the Raiders can save a lot of money if they cut Derek Carr this offseason. And at this point, with the way their season's going – uh, despite the big win this week, I think it's more likely than not that they get rid of that contract. If you're a Jets fan, who do you want leading this team, Derek Carr or Jimmy G? Uh, it's tough. Um, I think the way that the Jets are designed, I think Derek Carr would be the better fit. Uh, that's probably who I would go with. Um, he's always known to be a very accurate quarterback. And... Just the way they play football, I think he fits the mold uh, with LaFleur, and that's who I would go for. Not only that, he's he's really passionate about the game, obviously, as we've seen, and I just think he is a great locker room guy, and I think he'd be able to handle the media here much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's who I would go with. Yeah, and, Jimmy Garoppolo so handsome for New York. Oh, now you like him? Uh, I said he's handsome. I didn't say – and I do think he's okay. Yeah. I think he's a Coming around. Uh, listen, I would actually rather Carr. Uh, I want the ability to throw that deep ball with these talented receivers, but Jimmy G knows this offense, so I kind of feel like the Jets will go that route. Um, you know, we're basically the 49ers East Coast team 
you know, with Salah and LaFleur and just a lot of the coaches and the scheme. So, you know, that's what they're trying to build here. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jimmy G, but I would rather Derek Carr. Let's move on. Uh, Here's one we don't have to spend as much time on. Washington at Houston. Uh, This is one of the best games last week as far as the spread. Houston was only plus 3.5. Washington uh, just runs over them 23 to 10. I don't think there's much to say, but I'll say this. Washington defense is playing great. I still don't believe in Tyler Heineke. Everyone's saying he's getting wins. I think they're winning despite him. I don't think he's helping the cause that much. The only way he would be helping the cause is that the team is behind him and they play hard for him. Uh, As far as uh, him, his capabilities of taking over games, obviously that's non-existent. And if they do make the playoffs, I think you'll see that pretty first-handedly. As for the Texans, we talk about it every week. They're pretty much a team that's kind of really dead in the water for first overall pick in the draft. Davis Mills continues to decline. And uh, I think uh, one of their – I don't know if they'll bring in a new coach next year. If they do, I think we might be looking at D'Amico Ryan's coaching this team since considering he used to play for them. Uh, That would be interesting. The one thing is they're definitely going quarterback, number one overall, obviously. And if they do – you got to get an offensive guy in here to to groom that. I'm not, I don't, I'm not really sold on that uh, mentality. Oh, I'm not saying I am either, but I just think that's the way it goes. Eh, look at the Chargers and uh, Chicago. Eberflus? Yeah, I mean, Chicago brought in a defensive guy. I mean, they brought in – the Chargers brought in Staley. I don't think he was there for Herbert's rookie year. So doesn't matter. He was still in his developmental – yeah, well, I mean, Herbert came in developed, as we saw right away, his rookie year. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Houston, second year in a row, they're the worst team in the NFL. Just last year, they weren't fortunate enough to get the first pick. And this year, they're going to get it, and they're going to go with the best quarterback available. And they're, they're, they need a lot more pieces than that. Here's another one that we don't need to spend too much time on. Uh, the beat-up L.A. Rams at New Orleans, Saints 27, Rams 20. Stafford leaves again with a concussion. So I think I think this time this is his second concussion in three weeks. I think they're going to sit him multiple games, if not eh, – probably not the season at this point, but he's going to sit multiple games. And uh, unfortunately for you and me, that just is desperate to see Winston start. Dalton had a pretty great game. Yeah, it looked like Andy Dalton <clears throat> from back in 2015. Uh, they're still the Saints, though. And then the Rams – it's really how much – it's crazy how much uh, things have changed since last year. Um, but <laughs> that pick that they that they traded to Detroit, uh, Detroit now has two top ten picks probably most likely because of how bad the Rams are. So that really worked out well for them. We know the Rams got a Super Bowl out of it, so obviously that is the major win for them. But it, goes, it just goes to show you that uh, when you start trading draft picks and you're not investing in draft capital – or keeping your draft picks for that matter, it really shows what it could do to you as a franchise. And they're really struggling right now because they are pretty much built on studs and duds. They have star players, and after that, they got pretty much nothing. Uh, I think McVay said in the press conference that uh, he really has to take a step back and look at what he wants to do with Stafford, which basically means I don't think Stafford's going to play again, especially if you plan on keeping him as your quarterback. I think they do the same with Cooper Cup. Um 
they're just a mess right now. Uh, they don't have a first-round pick next year, so it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Maybe they get heavily involved in free agency. Uh, they really, from the start of the season, their biggest hole was the offensive line. That just kind of – that was like basically the Achilles heel of them succeeding, and obviously they didn't have anything this year to offer uh, to replace players like uh, Andrew, Andrew Whitworth and uh, a couple other players they lost. And, yeah, this is going to be an interesting offseason for them. And I, I just, I'm curious to see how how – to see how McVay responds to a losing season like this, his first losing season in his career. Oh, I think uh, they're going to go ballistic in free agency. They're going to find a way to, you know, move money around to make it happen. What's hard is, like you said, it's like, you know, that draft capital. I mean, I know it's hard to hit on draft picks, but, you know, you, you get enough of those fourth, fifth round offensive linemen and a couple years in, all of a sudden they develop and you get some starters and, Man, they need five new starters on the offensive line. You're not going to get five starters in a draft. So, you know, they're going to have to find a way to go after free agency hard. But, yeah, for this year, I think it's time to just pack it up and and go suntanning in L.A. or, or whatever these guys do. Uh, for the Saints, you know, they're still in the hunt. Um, Dalton, like you said, he kind of turned back the clock. He had a pretty good game despite Aaron Donald still being Aaron Donald. So they're just going to keep running them out there. We're not going to see Winston. I think we can officially call it. And, you know, they're just going to be one of those middling teams. Uh, but good to see Ta uh, Tayshawn Hill getting back in on the action. Taysom Hill. Taysom, Taysom Hill. I knew I was saying that wrong. Taysom Hill. I'm sorry. Cleveland at Buffalo. Buffalo 31. Cleveland 23. Uh, you know, let's start with – let's save the best for last, and let's start with Cleveland. Jacoby Brissett? Played a great game. Amari Cooper was a huge problem for the Buffalo defense. Eight catches, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but oddly enough, Nick Chubb, 14 attempts for 19 yards. That's 1.4 yards per attempt. So credit the Bills defense. On the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, something I said last week because I want to see more James Cook, and I'm glad that McDermott and the team there listens to this podcast clearly because, you know, Devin Singletary had 18 carries, 4.8 yards per clip, and James Cook had 11 carries running at 7.8 yards per clip. So they're starting to get closer in carries, and I'm telling you, the second half of this year, fantasy players, if Cook is out there, uh, this guy has the ability to just continue to siphon off Touches from Singletary, and he's very, very explosive. So I'm very excited for him. Josh Allen has not played good football in a long time, and it's such a good team, and he has enough explosive plays that we don't really talk about it. No one in like the ESPN or NFL main media is talking about it. He hasn't played well in a long time, and that predates his injury against the Jets. Any alarm bells here? Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, his last uh, four games, I think it was, his last four games or four to six games, I think it was, he's had uh, – he's completing 59% uh, of his passes. He's had four touchdowns to six interceptions, leads the league in turnover-worthy passes. He's tied in those numbers with Davis Mills. Ugh. So, ugly yeah, and that ugly is, neck too. For me, that is alarming. Um, we talked about the absence of Brian Dable starting to haunt this franchise a little bit. 
at this time in the season. And for me, Josh Allen, great quarterback, elite MVP uh, candidate uh, when he's on. But when you have numbers like that, that's alarming for me. And that's we're talking about best in the league to worst in the league because that's what that is. Um, in the Bills' defense for this week, they did pull out a win where in a week where they had no practices. They had one practice. Uh, they canceled the rest of their practices because of the snowstorm they had in Buffalo. Had trouble getting out of Buffalo, getting to Detroit to play this game. So I think the writing was on the wall as far as their game plan was. Just kind of hand the ball, try to keep the game on the ground and just beat a bad football team. And that's what they did. But that is not going to get you, dare I say, playoffs. Um, I You know, this is a tough conference in the AFC. There's a lot of teams in this conference that are right there. They're not the number one seed anymore. They're not running away with it. Uh, at They're this, not even winning their division right now. No, and they... They have losses in their division uh, against the Jets and the the Dolphins. The Dolphins are playing really good football right now. Don't be surprised if they take that number one seed in the East. Uh, the Bills will obviously make the playoffs. They're too talented. Von Miller played lights out in this game. James Cook and Devin Singletary were able to keep this game in check. Um, but yes, it's definitely uh, reasons to sound the alarm because Josh Allen, Josh Allen is playing really bad football right now. And does he turn it around? Probably. He's extremely talented, as we as we know. Everyone loves Josh Allen. Everyone loves Josh Allen. Uh, we all get behind them as fans, even though we're not fans of the Bills. As for the Browns, uh, this organization is in kind of kind of trouble because they're losing games. Uh, a lot of their losses are on them. This is another example of it. Tough team in the Bills to play against, but you can't have crucial penalties, bad turnovers, missed opportunities on offense. You're not going to beat teams like the Bills, but you're not going to win many games, period, playing football like that. And that's kind of what we've seen from them all year, as well as Jacoby Brissett has played. They have a lot of bad losses on their schedule. And now we're going to look at Deshaun Watson. So there's really nothing to get behind for him as a starter. I don't know how this is going to – I don't know how this is going to be as far as the reaction from the NFL fans – I see him being really messy. Um, even if he plays well, do people cheer them? I, I just I, not this year, but I think that's and, why it's better that they're kind of circling dream. I mean, listen, they don't have all those losses because of Jacoby Brissett. No. He's he's played some pretty solid football. He's not Deshaun Watson, at least the last we saw of Deshaun Watson. So Watson sure can be a spark for this offense, and and I think he will be uh, ultimately, but. You know, this team has a lot more problems than that, and they're better off just losing this year. Get all those boo birds for Watson out of the way. You know, it'll continue next year and maybe even the rest of his career, but but I think get the worst of the circus out of the way now and just turn the page clean to next year. Another interesting stat about the Bills, this, this game marked the first game where they scored a touchdown in the second half since week six. Oh, good stat and damning stat. So, yeah, the Bills, let's focus on the team that matters here. They got to get this thing turned around, and it's really all about Josh Allen because the rest of the team is actually playing some really good ball. So, Allen, get your head right, man. Let's go. Um, I'm going to raise the alarm on another quarterback. So our next game is Carolina at Baltimore. Baltimore wins 13-3. to I have no interest in talking about Carolina. Baker sucks. Let's bring on Sam Darnold, who's starting this week. Great, grand, wonderful. Who cares? 
let's talk about Lamar Jackson. I'm sounding an alarm on him. This guy wants the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history. You mentioned it before. He's not been great on the ground, and he's been even worse passing the ball. I'm sounding an alarm. I mean, you know, he definitely needs more weapons besides Mark Andrews. This week was a Demarcus Robinson explosion, 9 for 128. By the way, six first downs for Demarcus Robinson. But you're not going to get that out of him every week, obviously. So I don't know what's going on in Baltimore on the offensive side of the ball, but LJAX doesn't look like LJAX right now. No, he doesn't. And um, I was looking at some of his statistics uh, for the last – four to six weeks because I was looking at the league as a whole. He's not throwing the ball downfield. Um, I think he's got – I think he's in the bottom bottom 10 of the league and passes downfield. I think a lot of that has to do with his weapons. I think they – that heavily relied on Rashad Bateman. And since he's been off, out of the offense, they've kind of looked a little bit lost on passing attack. Doing a lot of their damage with their run game, but I do – I do agree. I don't know if I'd be concerned because his team's playing so well on on defense right now. Um, Great defensive performance once again. Because at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson is going to play the way he plays. Uh, As far as teams like the Panthers, we have seen them play down to their competition multiple times. And I just think maybe he also wasn't feeling well. He missed a couple of practices this week. I don't know if. I feel like he's always sick. I don't know why. But <laughs> he's, a, he's always sick. He's Was he have to poop again? Yeah, they were talking about it. I don't know. Something was wrong with him. But I'm not too concerned with Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think he's actually, at this point, I think the Ravens have their best roster as a whole and to be more of a threat in the playoffs because of their defense. And this is a defense that we were writing off early in the year, but they're playing extremely well right now. They're second in turnover ratio, and that wasn't always the case this year. Players like uh, Marlon Humphrey is playing. He's one of the best corners in the league, probably top five at this point, the way he's been shutting people down. Kyle Hamilton's playing amazing. Kyle Hamilton's playing exactly like who we thought he was in the draft. He's He's really grown very quickly here in the middle of the year. Yeah, and then, you know, the leadership role in Goliath Campbell, their linebackers now, whether they have Rokon Smith and Patrick Queen, doesn't get any faster than that. They're probably the fastest defensive team in football. So if you think you're going to, like, a team like Tennessee is just going to come in and run against them, good luck because you're not getting to the sideline faster than Baltimore. They'll put a huge clog in that game plan. So they are set up to succeed uh, in the playoffs, it just really does come down to Lamar Jackson. So I don't know if they're trying to dial back his usage and just try to keep him healthy because, let's face it, the Panthers are not beating anybody. Baker Mayfield went back to his normal under four yards per attempt. And I just think that's more of them game planning for a bad team. And it, hopefully that's what it is. I mean, I, I, I don't buy that, man. I mean, they almost lost this game for a lot of the game. It was it, it was six to they, three. They let you them hang in win there. the game. They let them hang in there. And yeah, I, I, mean, I don't buy it. I think they're struggling hard. And with this defense, and they don't have much, though, because outside of him, Miss, you know, Mark Andrews, not healthy. Rashad Bateman, not playing running back carousel all year. I mean, and Ryan. Yeah, I'll give you the weapons thing. The weapons are an issue, but 
You know, Lamar Jackson's done it without weapons before. So I, I don't know, man. On the defensive side of the ball, though, you're right. They're playing great. I think Patrick Queen is actually really blossoming as not needing to be the best linebacker on the team, letting Roquan be that centerpiece and just letting Queen fly to the sidelines, which is what he's so good at. So I, I think the defense is certainly rounding into classic Baltimore form. I have a macro level question for you, though. Ronnie Stanley got hurt, too, which is kind of scary. Same leg. I know, but they said he's going to be okay. Kyle Hamilton got hurt, too, but they said they're both trending in the right direction. But I have a more macro question for you for the Ravens. Let's Look, they could go on a run this year, and let's see what happens. And and maybe them going on a run will play a big uh, hand in this question. But Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract. He wants bigger than what Deshaun Watson got, which was 10 years, $250 million. I mean, Jimmy Haslam of the Browns just does what he always does and just, you know, blew up the league. Uh, by the way, the New York, the NFL Players Association is accusing the NFL and the league owners from colluding to stop these guaranteed contracts from happening. I'm not saying it's right, but I kind of get it. These guaranteed contracts are very scary, especially for a player like Lamar Jackson that. Like you said, he's not a huge, thick guy, and he runs all over the place. You know, you could be pissing away a lot of money if he gets hurt. So if you're Baltimore, though, you have Lamar Jackson. You're either going to give him that guaranteed contract or you're going to lose him. I mean, you could try to franchise him and all that, but that's going to get ugly. So you're Baltimore. Are you giving him that guaranteed contract? You have to. You don't have a choice. Uh, It's... It's so hard to find a quarterback that can win an MVP, you know, or should I say win games, let alone win an MVP award. I mean, look at the Jets. They've been trying to find one, still trying to find one, looks like, for, Jesus, decades at this point. I'll give Lamar Jackson that guaranteed contract right now. Exactly. And when you have a sniff of a talent like that, you don't have a choice in this league. You can't win without a quarterback. It's nearly impossible. And, you know... I think the Ravens kind of like not it's not not as similar, but in a almost a resemblance of when Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl. They had to give him that contract because and look what it did to them. It kind of set them back a little bit. But as far as Lamar Jackson goes, the only thing that scares me with him is his health. It's, uh, you know, the, the his style of game is violent. Uh, it relies heavily on his legs. And it's just not something that I would want to invest in. But if I'm Baltimore, I don't have a choice. I don't want to try to find another quarterback because that can set you back for years or decades in some situations. Uh, as a Jets fan, I could certainly tell you it, yeah. it could be a century. It, it could I, be that yeah, long if you can't exactly. find the quarterback. And as far as the guaranteed contract uh, stuff that's going on, that's just another blemish from Deshaun Watson playing. That's a scary situation. Well, that's I the think, Browns' fault for giving out that But contract. I think the league sees what is about to happen, and they're saying, we can't even get out of this because we guaranteed this guy all of this money. And I think that the league is like, we really need to figure something out here because it's scary. It's a lot of money. It's a whole franchise. It's a, it's a lot of money. Here, here's my take, and I'm not an owner. It's not my money, but just don't let it affect the salary cap. Because that will just ruin a team for a decade, and you don't want to see that. But if it doesn't ruin the salary cap and it just ruins the owner's wallets a little bit, I don't care. So in that in that case, I think that these guys should get guaranteed contracts. I mean, they're risk they're the ones risking everything. The owners are risking yeah. their wallets. These players are risking their bodies. 
as a if I was the brass of the Ravens, like they're saying, they're just really not into this idea of guaranteed contract. But I, I'm with you. What choice do they have? You could say all the you could have all the collusion you want. It's only going to take one team to step in and say we'll give you that guaranteed contract, and then they get Lamar Jackson. So yeah. you you can't lose him. Uh, you have to give him that deal. It's going to happen. It's just a question of how much and how long. And he's been a sport about it. He didn't hold out. He's been playing every game. He went to offseason programs. You know, it's yeah. that's that's the biggest thing. He wants to be a Raven. He wants to win and. Hopefully he doesn't stay. <laughs> As a Steelers fan, I'm sure you feel that way. Well, as a Jets fan, I'll certainly take him. But let's keep going here. Uh, all right, let's get back to the game recaps. Detroit at New York Giants. Uh, this was one of our uh, games last week where both of us said we were kind of feeling Detroit on this one. Detroit 31, Giants 18. You know, Detroit got up and... Daniel Jones kind of looked like Daniel Jones of old. He threw two picks. Um, but, you know, I think you had to talk about Detroit defense a little bit here. I mean, they completely shut down Saquon Barkley. And, you know, the stats show Aiden Hutchinson with the beautiful interception when he dropped in the coverage. But how about second year, third round pick, Aleem McNeil? Three run stops, seven pressures. So they they had some players stepping up here all over the defense. They get the job done on offense. Uh, Jamal Williams, he's so annoying for just like for fantasy and prop bet purposes, but he's a cool guy. He gets three touchdowns. He's leading the league in rushing touchdowns, which is just outrageous. Uh, but you know they're getting it done, and and the Giants got a little exposed here against not even a good team, but just a mediocre team. Or a bad team, but or potentially uh, a bad team, or potentially a playoff team. Yeah, this was uh, this was every Giants fan's worst nightmare, and it was kind of there the whole time, and it just hasn't reared its ugly head until this game. I mean, Daniel Jones was pretty much perfect all year. I think he had one interception all year, two or three picks all year, something like, like that, which is crazy because we're so accustomed to him turning the ball over so much before Dable got here, and. He did it in this game, and the Giants showed their inability on offense to score points, and the biggest problem here is when they're down and turning the ball over, there's pretty much no shot at them coming back, especially if their run game is not working. So this is why, you know, the spreads that we've been seeing from Vegas when the Giants are playing, they've never been crazy spreads because we've all known this already. We just haven't seen it yet. And it's going to be really hard for the Giants. It's it's hard for the Giants to move forward the way they've been playing all year to just keep that going. So I think, you know, they're going to kind of come back to what we've expected from the Giants, not as bad as they've been for the last four or five years, but it's just going to be hard for them to beat They're a mediocre team. They are. And most of their talent is on the defensive side. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is coming here. So we could just stop with that already. He's not going to be a giant. Um, They did miss their opportunity to get a receiver during the deadline. If anything, they lost a weapon that they didn't really use anyway. But uh, now they just lost Wandale Robinson for the year, which is probably... Yeah, who had a great game. He had nine catches for 100 yards, and now he's done. So... This is, like I said, this was every Giants fan's worst nightmare, and we probably going to see a little bit more of this moving forward. As for the Lions, 
good for them. They had the talent. Uh, they had the attitude. The players like Ali McNeil, they're all been drafted as high energy, just angry football players like Jamal Williams. And the only thing that they're going to need moving forward to be successful in the future is a quarterback. Yeah, and listen, Jared Goff got it done today, but he's always going to be Goff. But Goff. I don't know. It's it's a pretty stacked team, so I think I think they could do it. I think they have a shot here. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but man, I would love to see them go on a run. I would love to see Swift running and catching the ball more. He's going to outsnap by Justin Jackson at this point, so I don't know if he's still hurt or what's going on there. But uh, good for you, Detroit. Listen, Andrew Thomas, by the way. Really looking like a fantastic left tackle. He's been playing strong all year. It continued this game. It was the rest of the offensive line that let the Giants down, especially the interior offensive line. You know, you combine pressure in a quarterback's face with no weapons, and, you know, this is what you get. And I think that's what the Giants are going to have to overcome for the rest of the year. Las Vegas Raiders at Denver Broncos. Uh, Once again, if the Broncos score 18 points in regulation, they win the game. But they don't. You get overtime. You get the long touchdown to Devontae Adams, who's really having another just phenomenal year. Uh, game over. Walk-off win for Derek Carr and the Raiders. On the defensive side of the ball, Max Crosby, just a complete game wrecker. Six pressures, two sacks. He's over 10 sacks for the second year in a row. And, you know, who cares at this point for these two teams? But good for the Raiders and God, just Russell Wilson. I don't know what else there is to say. He wasn't even bad on this game. He was just whatever. Yeah, that's what I think about this game. Um, two struggling franchises. Uh, Hackett released um, play calling duties to Kyle Shanahan. Who was it? Uh, not Shanahan. Is it? Uh, who was it? He released. I don't his- know. It definitely <laughs> wasn't Kyle Shanahan. I'll tell you that. No, not Kyle Shanahan. Uh, someone from that tree. So, no, I'm sorry. Kubiak. Clint Kubiak got the... Oh, got the, Clint Kubiak yeah. called the plays? That's yeah. cool. Jeez, I love way. Clint. I love a good Kubiak. Way off. Yeah, well, it didn't work. So, uh, <laughs> But I just think the writing's on the wall at this point for Hackett. Uh, he was brought here to, to manage the offense, and he's not even doing that. He can't manage a clock. And it's just just a lost season. Melvin Gordon got released after the game. Um just the, the the Broncos are in trouble. Uh, they have a lot of money invested in Russell Wilson. A lot of people like myself picked them to be pretty damn good this year. And it's just when you lose to a team like the struggling Raiders, who have at the most point been the laughing stock of the NFL in the last couple of weeks, just really bad. That's rock bottom for them. Yeah, and- it was on their home turf too. So just not a good situation. No, two, two like I said, two struggling franchises who – not sure where either of them go. They're kind of in similar situations. Uh, the Raiders, not a threat to anybody. But, you know, I do want to throw some light on how good Max Crosby's been this year. He's by far the best player on the field for the Raiders. And in all aspects of defense, he's been like a top five player against the run. Pass rushing ability. He's on the field pretty much three downs every series. Uh, his motor has no off <laughs> So I, I've never seen anything quite like it. The Raiders has just been so bad that it kind of gets overshadowed. So that's the one thing I would like to touch on is how good he is and people should. Yeah, if they were better, I mean, we'd be talking more about him as like a top five defensive player of the year candidate. But alas, they suck. Dallas at Minnesota. Holy shiz. Dallas 40, 
Vikings three. You know, listen, I'll, I'll start with the Cowboys. Uh, Tony Pollard continues to shine 109 yards pa- uh, receiving with two touchdowns, not, not to mention he looked good on the ground too. He doubled up uh, Ezekiel Elliott on the same amount of attempts. And Micah Parsons, he left the game early with an ankle, so watch out for that. But eight pressures and two sacks. And, man, Dak Prescott, 22 for 25 and not just these short throws. He averaged 11 yards per attempt, 276 yards, two touchdowns, five passes of 19-plus yards. This was just every bit the route that the score says it was. And for the Vikings, you know, I like to poop on Kirk. It's one of my favorite things to poop on, besides the water in my toilet. However, I'm having a hard time putting this game on Kirk. I don't think Peyton Manning in his prime could have done anything in this game. That offensive line got absolutely destroyed. They did. They went to Suplex City in this one. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah the, and it's crazy because Darisaw, we just talked about it. I was freaking, this could have been the Christian Darisaw podcast for the last 10 weeks of football. And he had a terrible game. I think he was injured, though. He, got, he let up two sacks in this game, which is very uncharacteristic of him. But that pass rush was just all over Kirk Cousins from start to finish. They had no answer for it at all. And, you know, the other thing is outside of the pass rush, obviously it made things a lot harder for the Vikings to do anything. We've seen Justin Jefferson disappear against, you know, elite corners time and time again now. And it's a little worrisome because once you get into the playoffs, you're going to be playing players like that. So Trayvon Diggs pretty much shut him down in this game. Um, I agree with that, except that, I just don't know what you could take away from this game with the way the offensive line played yeah. against against that defensive front. I, I kind of feel like if you're the Vikings, I mean, there's two things. Just the offensive line, they've been pretty good all year. So just throw this game away and start fresh. But, you know, we've talked about their defensive backs and how, you know, Zadarius Smith has covered up a, a lot of uh, deficits they have back there. But, man, were they exposed today. That's another big problem area for the Vikings. Yes, absolutely. And we said it on this podcast that they probably should have went after some secondary help during the deadline out, you know, instead of trading what they traded for Hawkinson. You did say that. So as for the Dallas Cowboys, we've also said that they were missing an explosive weapon on offense and they were, they had it the whole time. Had it the whole time. And God damn it. Tony Pollard is explosive and i think they figured it out and by uh forceful actions from tony pollard of just demanding the ball i mean his hand was literally up in the air waving for the ball as he's streaking down the field exactly and that's what the cowboys need they needed that spark and they got it and damn did they blow out the vikings and you know i feel like not i have no that no stats behind this or i feel like we've seen the vikings lose this bad like once or twice a year since kirk cousins has been there yeah well they're mid they are the minnesota vikings the mid the minnesota i feel like the vikings fans kind of know that but they don't say it yeah i mean look that's why they changed the coach and and it's kind of we're seeing more of the same just not as much they're obviously winning a lot more than they're losing but they have some deficits here. And it's just why, like, it's been fun to watch them succeed. But 
I don't buy them as a team that's going to make a deep playoff run. I think they're that home team that could lose a first round, depending on who they play. Uh, in all of the it's tough NFC, game. they're probably one of the teams I'd want to play the most if I was there. And it's because of this, you know, I mean, I didn't expect the offensive line to play like this, but you know, Kirk, I don't expect him to blow the doors off in the playoffs and, and the defense it's their defensive backs. If you got a strong passing game like Dallas did here, uh, they are very susceptible to th- these kind of games. So, you know, maybe not a blowout like this, but, you know, maybe this will serve as a wake-up call for them. It- it's just a question of if they have the talent to make up for it and to answer that wake-up call. Definitely ran into a uh, F5 there. <laughs> says two Brock references in the same game. Okay, I'll take it. Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals 37, Steelers 30. Exciting game. Uh, good for the Steelers. You know, Najee looking like the first-round talent again. Pickens looks like a star. Fryermuth looks like a budding star. You know, who knows about Pickett? Uh, but they have a lot of pieces here to work with on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But listen, this is not their year. They're last in their division. The Bengals, on the other hand, Joe Burrow is heating up once again. Yeah, he's Joe Cool. That's what he does. And he's doing it without his biggest weapon. Um, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying this, but I really think that T. Higgins is better than Jamar Chase. You just, I, you know, you just said without his biggest weapon. And I have here in my notes, I was going to ask you who's more valuable, T. Higgins or Jamar I'm Chase? T, I'm a T. Higgins guy. I was <laughs> in the draft. And I, I was, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. And I'm a T. Higgins guy yeah, too, damn it. Exactly. So he, I like T. Higgins the way he plays. I think he matches up better with uh, Joe Burrow the way he throws the ball. But Joe Burrow is whether wherever it is, they're just when they're clicking, it's hard to stop that offense. They did their damage without Joe Mixon really playing. He left the game. Smudgy P. Ryan um, came out of nowhere with three touchdowns in this game. And you know, shout out to him though. I gotta say, I was just thinking about that, like. How many practice reps does he possibly get with Joe Burrow during the week? I, I was really impressed with that. That's He's a, the opportunity and the listen, ultimate opportunist like Edge, which is what the Bengals are because the Bengals one week will look like they're the worst team in the league, and then the next week they'll play like this. And listen, the Steelers' defense is not easy to play against, especially putting up 37 points. As for the Steelers in this game, very promising looks from Kenny Pickett, who's that's two weeks in a row without a turnover. Uh, I think no interceptions. I'm not sure. I don't think he, he didn't have any interceptions this week. All right. So, and that's good because we've been from what we've seen so far this year, he's learning from his mistakes. He's throwing the ball away, which is nice to see, not forcing any throws. And I haven't really seen this type of quarterback situation since Big Ben was a rookie, which was decades ago. I was a lot younger at the time, so I wasn't really watching football the same way I watch today. So for me, this is all positive stuff. By the way, you said Christian Watson was the best receiver coming out of the draft outside of the first round. Yeah, George Pickens is the best receiver coming out of the draft. You know, I said that's who I liked sure. the most coming out of the draft, but I liked Pickens a lot too. And and yeah, he's really performing. I mean, he, he looks like a star. And um as bad as our offensive line has been playing all year, he looks 
he looks good. He looks like he's developing. It's nice to see this early in his career. So things are really looking promising for his, for the Steelers. And uh, TJ Watt, man, did you see that interception? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty unbelievable. Just give him the award already. And he's not getting it. But you know, listen, let's just let's just focus on the Bengals here. Burrow's heating up. We talked about T. Higgins playing outstanding. I don't think they're getting Jamar Chase back yet, but they are going to get him back. So this is a team that you know we think they're going to be in the playoffs. I don't think they have what it takes, especially on defense with some injuries they've suffered. I don't know if they can make the run they made last year, but when you got Joe Cool, anything is possible. Oh, and one more thing. The Steelers put up 30 points on that defense. So it pretty that was pretty impressive. It's uh I had to double check and see exactly how they got there, but very impressive stuff. Uh good for you, Dustin. Enjoy last place. Kansas City at the LA Chargers. Well, Chiefs Anderson. 30. Chargers 27, a great game, as you'd like to see from these two teams. Mahomes is not human. He's got another three touchdowns. I said it last week. He's hitting 50-plus touchdowns this year. And Kelsey, hat trick, baby. Give me the alarm. Throw the hats on the ice. He did it again. Uh, Question for you. In their prime, Kelsey or Gronk? Gronk. I got Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey is just – Gronk's the greatest tight end of all time. Come on. That's I look, these are two Hall of Famers. I think Gronk was great in the middle of the field. I think Kelsey is better in the middle of the field than Gronk is. Gronk is probably a more dominant red zone and touchdown guy, but I mean, how can you fault Kelsey? Just another hat trick on the resume. Elite pass. Now, you know, Cardarius Tony, his it turns out that the hamstrings are rubber bands from the 1980s. This guy just can't stay healthy. Uh, but, you know, I did say earlier this year, Sky Moore in the second half of the year, watch out. And now Juju's still out. Well, you know, hopefully he comes back soon from that ugly concussion. But Tony, I mean, hamstring, I think he's going to be out multiple weeks. And Sky Moore started to step up. So I'm really looking forward in the second half of the year. I'd like to see them work on that connection because he would be, you know, if he fulfills his potential that we saw from him in college – as that underneath guy, and then you got Kelsey, and then you have some deep threats there coming back. I think he could really make this a more complete offense. So, you know, kind of an unsung guy in this game, but he got it done, and I'm looking for him to do more. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, I didn't even mean to do that. Not that one. But um, <clears throat> I, I agree, and somehow the Chiefs are still giving MVS these uh, these snaps. He's got to be the most outside of like Kenny Galladay. I don't think he should be on the field outside of his contract because he's just that bad. Um, oh, I mean, I don't like him, but man, comparing him to sorry. Kenny Galladay, that's just, rough stuff. Or maybe like Sammy Watkins, which is weird because they both played for the Chiefs. Uh, it's not much better, but I guess I'll but, take it. Yeah, I think Sky Moore should definitely see the field more. I know he's had some early problems with holding on to the football, so maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, man, he is unanimously MVP of this league. The way he's, the way he just controls the game and finds ways to just beat you. It's you know when the when the Chargers went up late in this game and there was time left on the clock, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that the Chiefs were going to win that game. Not even, I was thinking if they left some time on the clock for maybe Herbert to come back. And uh, you mentioned Travis Kelsey before. You know, he's on pace to set every tight end record in a single season as far as yards, touchdowns, and receptions. Like, not just set them, shatter them. And this is supposed to be a season where they lost Tyreek Hill, so more attention was going to be drawn to him. 
It's not even not even. And he's thirty. Yeah, and he's supposed to be you know in the late stage of his career. Just absolutely crazy, the season that they're putting on together. And um, you know the Chargers looked prepared. They looked like they were ready for this this uh, heavyweight bout and um, more prepared than they looked against other teams and it's promising for them, but the chiefs are just a better team. Um, <clears throat> they were not able to, to stop the offense. Uh, they were not able to stop Kelsey, even with Derwin James on him. He was beating Derwin James. It's not like he was taking, you know, 10 yard passes to the ground. He's taking short passes to the house. Like that's crazy. When you think about it, the way Kelsey's built and the way he plays football. So yeah, they're definitely uh, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. We keep saying it, how good they are, and that's the team teams need to be able to beat, and the, the Chargers have not been able to figure that out. I feel like the Chargers just aren't able to beat these types of teams. It's been that way for a while, and I know we talk about hot seats pretty much every week. Sometimes we throw it around a little bit too easily, but I really think that Brandon Staley should be put on the hot seat because he was brought here to fix the defense and their defense has been the bottom five since he's been there. And I know it's a tough division, but at they've been really banged up too. I, I no, mean, but this, this team year, is always fire. The win on the hot seat should be to the strength and conditioning coach. Every year, these guys are on the shelf, get their doctors out of there. I, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I mean, ultimately still is the head coach. He just put together such an elite defense in LA for the Rams so he's got to do something here. I think next year he'll go on the hot seat, not this year. This team has still been a lot that that much better than when Anthony Lynn was here. No, and, and there's still a lot of football left to be played. Uh, Mike Williams aggravated that high ankle injury, but Keenan Allen, uh, his hamstrings stayed together this game. So, you know, I want to see everyone come back. I want to see them all play together. Justin Herbert looked pretty damn good once again. The offensive line's not playing great either. Uh, they really had a bad game and, you know, Herbert once again, just is pretty good in the face of pressure, but it, it's going to be hard to keep playing like at a high level when the offensive line plays like that all year. So they have time, but not, not a lot of it. All right. The, the last game, let's go to Mexico city, San Fran at Arizona, uh, the Cardinals. I mean, uh, you know, They've started firing assistant coaches at this point. Um, it's it's over for Cliff. Uh, this season's going nowhere. Thirty-eight to ten. You know, I I don't know what else to say about the Cardinals. Murray is just home playing video games. I mean, I'm sorry, his hamstrings hurt, so you know he couldn't play once again. For San Francisco, this is just a Pro Bowl team. It looks like a Pro Bowl game out there with all the stars they have. I'll tell you what. You know, we talked about Darisaw last week. We talked about some standout offensive linemen, and they look great. But when you watch the 49ers, I mean, Trent Williams literally just jumps out of the screen. Just watch this guy play football. He's just, he's like in Madden. If you could just get a guy to a 99 and you control him and you could just make him pancake everybody and seal every single run. He's just perfect. He is truly a monster among men. And give me my buzz. Thank you. And he's just, honestly, I, I forgot how great he is because I actually legitimately think he's a top five player in the NFL. That's how much I love Trent Williams. Yeah, it's not really fair when you talk about the 49ers offensive attack and then you just throw Trent Williams in there who, yeah, he's basically a big red machine. 
Oh, bring it back. And uh, they're just as dangerous as it gets. And I think you owe an apology to Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I don't because he had four touchdowns against this barely there defense and George Kittle ruined my fantasy dreams, uh, but he's a great player. I love Brandon Ayuk. Jimmy G got the job done against a bad team, but when you got Debo, when you got Christian McCaffrey, you got Ayuk, you got Kittle, and just, man, freaking Trent Williams, literally the big show out there, just choke slamming everybody. Thank you. Uh, I just, you know, it's the perfect situation for him. Great. Beat up the Cardinals, Jimmy. I want to see you do it in the playoffs. They weren't able to beat up the Cardinals in the past. Actually, given they've given them most trouble out in this division. Well, but, Cliff, Cliff and the crew aren't giving anyone hey, trouble anytime I'm, soon. I'm just about ready to put my money on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl as a as a uh, a value pick because I think they could beat anybody, especially in the NFC. Um, it's probably going to be San Fran and. Dallas. I don't know, Dallas in the NFC Championship. That'll be a really good game. And then, uh, you know, whoever wins could just go lose to the Chiefs. It's fine. By the way, George Kittle's a huge wrestling fan. We had Penta Sierra Miero from AEW in the crowd. That was, that was so cool. Did you see him with the 49ers Lucha Libre yeah. mask? Oh, that was awesome. God, I love Kittle. All right. I love locking up picks. Let's get to it. Let's start with our three Thanksgiving games. Buffalo at Detroit. Detroit plus 9.5. Josh Allen not playing well. Detroit playing really good ball lately, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Man, Buffalo really feasted last year on Thanksgiving. See what I did there? I'm taking Detroit in the points, baby. I'm with them. Let's go. Yeah, it's hard to uh, nine points, but I'm going to go against you on this one because I just feel like, the Buffalo Bills defense is just too too much for uh, Detroit's offense, and I can't see Goff really moving the ball against this defense. And uh, Buffalo back in Detroit, which pretty much is their home field at this point. Yeah, it's two weeks in a row, although I think they are going home in between games, or they already did. But uh, I'll buy the half point. I'll get it to 10 just to just to be safe. But I'm, I'm taking it. I, I, I don't love Detroit, but I like it. New York Giants at Dallas. Man, Vegas really buying into what they saw from both these teams last week. Dallas minus 9.5. It's in Dallas. It's just too big a spread. I'm not touching it, but I, I don't see how the Giants are going to score many points, and I don't see how they're going to stop Dallas's offense either. Well, I actually really like this game a lot. I like – that's too many points. This is division rival. They always play each other really tough. I know a lot of this has to go into the pass rush ability of Dallas, but nine points is way too much for a division game. That's a really important game for both these teams. I'm taking the Giants with the points. All right. New England at Minnesota. Minnesota, minus 2.5. You know, it's on short rest. It's, it's it's you know, basically the, the Thursday night game. So, like, I hate these games on short rest. And it's I'm prime fine. time, baby. And just Kirk in prime time. I really like Minnesota to, to win this game. It's kind of a good matchup for New England because I think their defense can handle Kirk Cousins. He's, he's that kind of quarterback that Bill Belichick just masters. And I don't think Minnesota's defense is good enough to stop New England from, you know, running the ball, passing these high-efficient two-yard outs. And 
Ah, man, I want to take Minnesota, but I think I just talked myself into New England. Three nothing. Three six three with a punt return at the last second. Yeah, uh, it's a tough one. It's a bad matchup for Minnesota. It just got beat up. Yeah, I'm, I'm off it though. I'm off it. I probably take the points with New England. Yeah, well, it'll be an interesting narrative if Minnesota Field drops goal. this one too. Field goal game and Minnesota, we all know, is not really good in that part of the game. No, they are not. They don't have Digger the kicker like the Chargers. God, I love that guy. Baltimore at Jacksonville. Jacksonville plus four. Mm, that smells like a trap game. Baltimore should win this game. We're on to the Sunday games now. Baltimore should really win this game by more than four points. I just – I don't believe in Trevor Lawrence. So this is actually one of my more favorite games of the week. I'm going Baltimore. Uh, you still in love with the Jags? Yeah. I'm I thought take... you fell out of love. No, I thought I'm you were falling. all out of love. I'm falling back in. They are coming off a bye week, and I think they might surprise. Not maybe, They're not going to win the game, but maybe they hang around. Could be a field goal game. I could see no. that. You know, if the Jets don't win those two games, this might be your quarterback. Oh, Trevor Lawrence? Back to the draft. Oh, man. I mean, at this point, he's been not nah, as bad as Zach Wilson. But I, I really don't like Trevor Lawrence, so whatever. But I think he would have done better in our system. Denver at Carolina. Man, just to show you how far Denver's fallen. Carolina is plus 2.5. Sam Darnold is getting the start. He's going to see Isn't ghosts again. Uh, Denver, minus 2.5. I love this game. I can't love anything about Denver right now. That's um, a good point. This is honestly a really tough game for me because Carolina's defense is actually pretty damn good. And Russell Wilson's been struggling majorly. New quarterback in Carolina, Sam Darnold. I don't know how I could take the Panthers, but I think you I ain't might. scared of no ghosts. I mean, they can't. Denver can't score more than fourteen points a game. So you would think that Carolina can. Not... Carolina score fourteen points though. No, I'm not touching no. the game. But I would take the points if I had to. Give me Carolina. Uh, I, I like Denver a lot. Atlanta at Washington. Washington minus four. This is like a just a clash of two overperforming, overachieving teams. God, Washington's so hot right now. Their defense is pretty good. I like Wash. I wish it was three, but I like Washington at home minus four. Yeah, this is not a good matchup for Atlanta um, because Washington's pretty good against the run. Uh, this could be a game. I know I've been saying this all year, but maybe Mariota finally gets benched. <laughs> you have been saying that all year. I feel like one of these weeks it's going to happen. He's not going to get benched just because they're still winning games. So that's not going to happen. But uh, I like Washington to win this game. I think it's going to be a close game, though. Yeah. So I, four might be a lot, but uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the commanders. I'll take the commanders at home, too. Tampa Bay at Cleveland. Cleveland plus 3.5. Give me Tampa all day. Love this game. Tom Brady off a bye. Is he on, he, no, they had the... They played. Uh, they had the the Thursday nighter before that, or did they come off a bye? They didn't play this week. All right, so it was coming off a bye. Yeah, so uh, Tom Brady off a bye week against a struggling Browns team. Maybe they figure it out. Give me Tampa Bay minus three and a half. 
Here we go. Tampa Bay getting hot. Second half of the year. Cincy oh. at Tennessee. Tennessee plus 2.5. Cincy's getting hot. Tennessee's playing really, really well lately. Ah, Cincy's offensive line. This is not a good situation for them in this game. I'm going to buy a half point and get it up to three points. And I like Tennessee. What's the spread? Plus 2.5. No, I thought it was one and a half. Uh, I got 2.5 on FanDuel. Yeah. So Tennessee's minus two and a half. Tennessee's plus 2.5. Yeah, I would take the points of Tennessee. This is a matchup uh, playoff um, from last year, a rematch. I'm sure Tennessee is going to take this one pretty seriously. I could see this is a high-scoring game, too. Give me yeah, 10. and I think, a, I think a close game. DJ Reader's back, though. But I think Hendrickson just got hurt. Well, Houston at Miami. One of the biggest spreads of the week. The second biggest spread of the week. Miami minus 13. Yeah, give them 20. I don't care. Give me Miami. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Miami, too. Uh, just so, you know, just to give everyone an idea of how good Miami's playing right now. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't exist, two is probably your MVP right now. Yeah, that's. I think that's actually accurate, and I think he's only going to uh, further that argument this week against a hapless Houston team. Miami, they have that explosive offense, and they remind me of that team that's probably not going to take their foot off the gas pedal. So I, I actually really like it, even though it's a large spread. I really like this game a lot, Miami minus 13. Chicago at the Jets. The Jets are favored by four and a half points. They can't score four and a half points. So this spread is just terrible. But I don't know if Justin Field, Fields yeah. is playing. Oh, God, Chicago's defense is really bad. But I just uh, – yeah, sure. Jets by a million. Who cares? Well, if you had to pick a team that you'd want to play against to have Zach, Zach Wilson figure things out, this would be – This the- is it. Uh but I have no faith in him. I'll take who's who's playing quarterback for the Bears anyway. I have no idea. Yeah. Whatever. Give me the <laughs> give me the they I don't know. They'd have to run take the, the points. Take, take the, the points, points and run. run. Fine. Give me the points. <laughs> I'm glad I could convince you. Las <laughs> Vegas Raiders at Seattle. Seattle minus 3.5. I don't like the half point, but I don't believe in what the Raiders did this past week. Give me Seattle, baby. At home, Yeah, let it ride. Give me Seattle. Minus three and a half. Raiders are terrible. Going to Seattle against the 12th man on the field, Geno Town. Seattle writes the ship. Geno Town. LA Chargers at Arizona. Arizona's plus four. What in the world is this spread? Give me the Chargers all day. It's because we don't know about Murray, but give me those damn Chargers. I, if Murray's playing, I would probably take the Cardinals here. They just happen yeah. to like always cover these spreads. They ever. do. They always cover those spreads. In if he's time. playing. If he's not playing, then give me the Chargers. L.A. Rams at the Kansas City Chiefs. Here is your biggest spread of the week, minus 14.5. I mean, the Rams have no shot. No shot Moreno. Uh, give me, I mean, I guess I'll take Kansas City minus 14.5, but realistically, I'm just not taking a game with that largest spread. Yeah, the Rams pretty much have no chance in hell. That was a good one. It's a great song, too. New Orleans at San Fran. San Fran minus 9.5. I mean, they are pretty star-studded. They're home. That's the tough one. 
I'm going to take New Orleans and the points here. I think San Francisco definitely wins. It's just a lot of points, though. I could see San Fran winning by nine. I just, I don't think they're going to put up a, another like 30 burger on the Saints. No, Saints have too much talent on defense to keep it close. And I could see a backdoor cover that's backdoor cover worthy. So I'm going to take the Saints with the points. God, I can't you totally see Andy Dalton throwing a couple more pick sixes, though? I mean, give it, give it to our guy Hufanga. Am I right? Hufanga. Green Bay Packers at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are minus seven. They're not playing great ball right now. Neither are the Packers. Playing better, though. They are playing better. Give me Philly minus seven. Take Green Bay with the points. Philly, yeah, I'm, I'm off it. And the Monday Nighter, your boys, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts, minus 2.5. What a terrible Monday Nighter. You know, it burned me this past week, but you're going to give the Steelers points. I'm just going to take them every time. They keep games close. I don't believe in Indy. A star is born on Monday night. All right, all right. Uh, (laughs) I'll take Pittsburgh plus 2.5. Yeah, TJ Watt is going to break Matt Ryan in half, so I'll take the Steelers. (laughs) He broke him in half. Oh, my God. Does that get a bell? Absolutely. Good old JR. (laughs) <laughs> good old JR. Let's get some good old locks here. My lock of the week. I'm looking at Baltimore at Jacksonville, minus four. I'm looking at Tampa at Cleveland, minus three, five. And I really like Miami with the huge spread, minus 13 against Houston. God, Houston is just so lifeless. Give me my uh, – it's such a huge spread. I'm going to take Miami minus 13 here as my lock of the week. Taking Miami with the big spread. Uh, I like the Giants with the nine points, but I don't really like taking underdogs as my lock. I also like the Seattle Seahawks. But for my lock, I got to take Tom Brady on an off coming off a of bye week with the struggling Browns to cover the three and a half. So give me the bucks. Yeah, I think that's the right call. Parlay them two shits together, win some money. And that's all I have to say about that. Till next week, hit me up on Twitter at NA footballers. He's on Instagram at new age footballers until next week. We out. Peace.